everybody. Welcome to another episode here of the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts from the side, joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Side Guys, so Tad the Side. And Tad, we're coming close to sort of closing the chapter on, you know, the most recent draft. But, you know, before we sort of finalize everything there, I think we want to sort of give a quick, like, you know, you know how sometimes when you're reading a book and the author gives you like a one chapter preview of the next book in like a trilogy or like I, a series, I, be- right? I believe I believe the term for that is epilogue. No, no, no not an epilogue. It is different okay. than an epilogue because epilogue. I guess that's fair. Continues- no, an epilogue kind of closes the story. You know that. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Way to teach the I reading think- teacher something. Exactly. No, this is literally. It's like they write it in the book. Like, oh, here's a teaser chapter of the upcoming book uh, in this series, right? So it's like, and then they give you a chapter of what's going to happen in the next book to get you excited, right? So we're gonna be doing that in today's episode. So 2023 draft is over, and all those prospects have landed with their respective teams. We have a lot of teams signing undrafted free agents as well, but we want to give you that little bit of a tease, a little bit of that chapter preview, what you could expect when the 2023 college football season yes! begins, because we're going to be looking at 2024 NFL draft prospects. Uh, uh, we're going to give a top 10 mock draft. It's a very loose mock draft because there's no guarantee these teams are going to be picking in this order. It's sort of like just a rough, like, you know, Based on how they did last year and just sort of looking into the the upcoming year, just how they're going to perform, which is sort of how we laid this out as far as how we laid out the top 10. But we're obviously going to have some discussions about the top 10 as well, because, yeah, I think there's a lot of just we were discussing this before the podcast. It's just like some of these teams that we laid out, we um, borrowed from a website as far as the top 10 here. Uh, but, yeah, some of the teams where they landed, I don't think they're going to land where they are. So, yeah, that'll definitely be a topic of discussion. So, Tad, I know you're just, you know. Through so the roof, excited. I'm so excited. Episode, so to, to like, give yeah. to give our listeners and viewers a little bit of background on this, I've been bugging Mer for I'm not even joking about two years now. Like every time come May, he was like, "All right, man, what are we doing this week?" I'm like, "2024 tour, or like you know, next year's draft too early uh, mock," and he was like, "Dude, no." I'm like, come on. And I, like, I eventually, I finally grinded him down to the point where he was like, "I want you to stop asking, so we're going to do it." So, I think what upsets me more, though, is because this year I asked you after the draft live stream was over, I asked you with one of those next episodes, I was like, we should do a look forward to the 2024 prospects. You're like, no, nah, it's too no, early no, for that's that. Different. That's different. That's no. prospects. That doesn't is prospects. Mock draft matter. is different. It, 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 it absolutely matter. does. It no, it absolutely matter. does. No, it absolutely no, does. No, 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 no. By the way, uh, everyone <laughs> listening and watching, welcome to our text chain right here. <laughs> text chain, phone calls, pre-draft Slack. recordings. Like, this is exactly Slack. <laughs> yes, of course. So, uh, I yes, love it. It's you're so, finally so getting finally what you've here. always I got wanted. It. Yes. 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 So, now, I will say, I, I'm actually kind of, not the opposite of you, but I find it funny looking back, uh, you know, a year from now on prospects that we kind of mock in the top ten. Because I hearken it back to the year, I believe it was 08, where the Rams took Sam Bradford. Because a lot of people thought Jake Locker was going to be the number one overall pick. So if you go back to the way, right? That's my whole point. Is if you go back to the like, you know, way too early mock drafts the year before that, everybody was like, oh, Jake Locker is going to be the first overall pick. He ended up going number 10, I believe, overall to the Titans. While Sam Bradford went number one overall to the Rams. So 
it's just it, it, look at that. I'm already creating content for future Murr and future Tad as we can look back at our top 10 tonight and see how well we did because I, a lot of these guys are going to shift, especially this quarterback class. This is a wild quarterback class. It's going to be interesting for sure because, yeah, I also remember I think it was the 2015 NFL draft. Maybe it was the 2016. Maybe it might have been even sooner than that. I know it was one of the teens. It was like the early teens. Um, Mel Kuyper Jr. posted a article after the draft had happened and talking about his future, you know, prospects or whatever. And his number one overall prospect that he listed was Jared Crick out of the University of Nebraska. And I remember I do remember that actually. He got drafted, I think, like in the sixth or fifth round. Like he dropped severely. And obviously his playing career in the NFL was not all that stellar either. I think if I remember correctly, the Packers drafted him, but just like yeah, it did not land at that number one overall sort of forward that Mel Kuyper was sort of thinking that's like this guy could be that much of a difference maker. He's severely – his stock dropped. I'll have to look into as to why his stock dropped that much. But just, yeah, I remember that specifically. Uh, that's just he, like, he sucks being the primary reason. Yeah, that's one of the reasons, obviously. But I think there's probably a few other things that probably went into that too. But just like, yeah, all the players that we're going to list out right now in today's episode, there's no guarantee that they're even going to remain in the top ten. There's no guarantee that the they'll remain round. in the first round exactly there's no guarantee that they'll go on day two either like i mean there's a possibility they may slide out completely you know stocks change completely as the draft season goes along as the college football season will play out so i mean yeah it's going to be interesting but we want to give you just a handful of names like as we sort of get into the summer like we talked about this the spring games are coming around i think some of them have already happened we're going to have like you know the training camps and all that stuff and obviously the college football season starts one week before the nfl season so it's like get your head start on looking at draft prospects once that season rolls around with some of these guys here so let's get the mock draft started, and I'm just going to shout out the website because I don't want to get sued. Uh, it is Bleacher Report's order that we are taking from because I actually – it was the closest order that I agree with, although like Amir said, there are some things I disagree with, but we'll touch on that. So let's just get to it. Number one, and by the way, this isn't just Bleacher Report. This is literally every mock draft I found, and I sure. heavily, heavily disagree with this prediction is every mock draft has the Arizona Cardinals selecting first and second overall. Look, I don't think the Texans are going to be as bad as people are predicting. Yes. Kyler Murray is out for a while, but I don't think the Cardinals are going to be selecting first overall either. I could be wrong, but we'll see. So regardless, we are going with bleacher reports, uh, you know, draft order for the also way too early 2024 mock draft, but ours is going to be better. So thank you for listening. Um, with the first overall pick, the Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. See, I try to switch it up with no, nothing. That's wow. That is a stone face I'm being met with. Wow. That didn't even get a little bit of a smirk. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Yeah. That was real okay. bad. It was worth a shot. <laughs> uh, well, the reason I made that joke is because Caleb Williams, not much different than Kyler Murray in my uh, uh, Kyler Murray in my opinion is uh, I, I think Caleb Williams a lot of the uh, promises there, but there are a lot of things that worry me about his game. I think that he I, I saw one report while I was doing research for this episode. They call him Patrick Mahomes 2.0. It's like what the yeah, hell are you seeing? I've seen a lot of those comparisons. Yep. I think he's being overhyped. I'm so sorry, Al Rowe. I know he's gonna chew me out for this. Oh but yeah. 
I, I I see the promise there. I definitely see why he has the hype there, but his accuracy needs more consistency. His size does worry me. I know what people are going to say. It's like, oh, but Bryce Young's size didn't worry you. Well, Caleb Williams is more of a runner than Bryce Young, so that's why it worries me more. So I like Caleb Williams a lot. I think he'll still go first overall because he has that you know flashiness. But honestly, I see a lot of Kyler Murray in this guy, and I'm a little bit worried about his NFL, you know, prospect. But I, I think that he could be good if he goes to the right team. I'll be very interested to see how this whole Jonathan Gannon uh, system works out for the Cardinals. Yeah, I think for me, I also have Caleb Williams going number one overall to the Arizona Cardinals here too. But for me, I don't think Arizona is going to stay at number one if they do end up with the number so, yeah. one overall pick. So it's like, I don't think Caleb Williams will be going to Arizona. Like, I have a feeling most likely there's going to be another team that will trade up with Arizona so then they can sort of rebuild their team around Kyler Murray, I think, because I think the toughest thing that I sort of envision, because I've been reading a lot of articles, like I said, there's a lot of different mock drafts out there for the 2024 NFL draft, and most of them, if not all of them, have Arizona at the number one overall spot. And a lot of them sort of signed the reason that's like Kyler is out a lot of this 2023 season. He's going to come back. He's going to struggle. They're going to find a trade partner. I don't think they will. I think that's yeah. the biggest thing. He has a contract that, contract that nobody will so want to take on. And a play style that nobody wants to take on either. Yeah, I think that's the biggest dollars. thing. That's the biggest thing is that he's got a big contract that you need to account for as well as just you have to totally rebuild your offensive system around him then too. It's just like I don't think a lot of teams will want to do that. So it's just like I don't think they're going to trade off trade him away. There's not going to be any takers for that unless like you're getting like, you know, pennies on the dollar to take him essentially. And it's like, you know, asking Arizona to eat a lot of that money. Then there's a possibility, but I don't think so. I think they're just going to stick with him and let him play out his contract and then move on. Unless he's just absolutely terrible in 2023, even once he comes back, then maybe they consider it. But for me, I think another team trades up here with Arizona. They get some draft capital to rebuild some of their team as they probably look towards another year to possibly get a franchise quarterback to replace Kyler Murray. But I do agree that Caleb Williams will be the number one overall pick. I think you're a little bit more negative on him than I am. I, am, I think I, I see a lot more of him being I see some of the I see some of the Kyler Murray aspect, but I also see a lot of his, you know, willingness to stay in the pocket to make plays. I see some of that like blend of like Max Duggan, where it's like he's got that grit and oh, determination. How dare you? How dare I see what you're doing? I'm there. giving Max Duggan a compliment here. I see that grit and determination to sort of will his offense to move down the field to make plays for his team. But then I'm also seeing just, unfortunately, Tad, just way better arm talent from Caleb Willis compared to Max. Uh, no, so. I mean, that's fair. I won't argue that. <laughs> uh, I'm not an idiot. But uh, you hear that, Arizona fans? There's hope for you in 2030 there once you go. this contract <laughs> is up. But, no, I agree with you. And I think the biggest thing, I'm not, I'm like half joking when I say this. I think the Cardinals looked at what happened with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And once he agreed to the extension, they were like, shit. Yeah, because that was their best option to like, that was their 100 like, yeah, best option exactly. And so I, I I'm with you, but the interesting thing is, so this year they're not gonna come, they're not gonna train, they're not gonna do anything with them. Uh, in 2024, they actually will save 12 million dollars if they somehow get him off the roster, but they still have to take a 30 million dollar hit. Yes. So that's the weird thing. This contract is so weird. Everybody said this. I think we said on the podcast this time. That was a dumbass contract. So they're locked in with him. So it would not shock me if, you know, a team like the Buccaneers 
or the Commanders or someone traded up. I think that is the most realistic option should the Cardinals either with their own pick or the Texans pick land at number one. I think we've seen another Bears situation where they, you know, a quarterback, a quarterback needy team trades up with a team that's like, yeah, well, we kind of got our guy. We'll see how that works. Yeah. You know, 100%, 100%. So let's move to the next pick here that Bleacher Report have. They actually have Arizona picking back-to-back. Yeah. Back Again, one not, not one of those things, I think. But, yeah, it's definitely – it's not because Arizona has two first-round picks. It's because they got a pick from Houston. So, yes, technically they do have two first-round picks. Will, Will Anderson better there. work out. Yeah, it better. It better. So, yeah, as of right now, you know, they have Arizona slated to pick one and two. I don't think Houston's going to be that bad that they're going to be at the number two spot again. I still think they're going to be bad. They're probably going to be in the top 10, but back-to-back Arizona picks at one and then two, I don't see that happening. Also, frankly, like we talked about, I don't think Arizona's going to be that bad where they're going to be at number one overall too. So it's like, but obviously we're going to play it this way, just obviously for the sake of this experiment here of a 2024 mock draft here. So um, for me, I think Arizona, they've obviously been in talks with possibly trading DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, the Marquise Brown experiment has been hit or miss. Like I think it's been good at times. It's been bad at times. It's obviously been injured a little bit, but I think missing Kyler Murray for a little bit is going to affect him a little bit. Once Kyler Murray comes back, he'll look a lot better, but regardless, they need to add that receiver room. All right. All right let's just say it on three. Ready? One, Two, three, Marvin, Marvin Harrison, Harrison Jr. Jr. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah it's fair. Yeah, it's yeah, fair. It's yeah. actually crazy to be Tad. That's just like I've been reading a lot of uh, about him. And obviously, this is still way early in my draft prep. I'm not doing anything for 2024 just yet, obviously. Rookie. We just finished 2023. So it's like I'm kind of like <laughs> you're, you're burnt relaxing out, so. from that. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> see, a little see bit. for me, I have a couple weeks off and now I'm like right back in it. No, yeah, for me, it's like I'm still, yeah, I got a little bit of burnout for me. But just everything I'm reading is just like it's crazy for me to think that a lot of people are saying that he could be the best Ohio State prospect to come out of the school in recent history. I'm not going to say ever. I'm just going to say in recent history. So it's like better than your Chris Olave, better than your Garrett Wilson, better than what we'll see about Jackson Smith and Jigba, but we'll see about that. You know, so it's like better than all these guys that recently came out. It's just insane to think that just they're thinking this much about this guy. Obviously, he's got the great lineage with Marvin Harrison Sr., his father, obviously, legendary career with the Indianapolis Colts. And so, yeah, if he obviously has a shred of that lineage in him, and based on everything I'm reading, I think he can be one of the best receiver prospects to come out of this draft class for sure. And maybe, you know, go with what everybody's saying and being one of the best Ohio State receivers to come out in maybe the past decade. I double hate Ohio State because they knocked TCU out of the 2014 college football playoffs, and I'm a secondary Michigan fan. Michigan is my second favorite uh, college football team, and so I, I'm I'm going to be totally honest. I went in this uh, watching his tape, hoping to hate him. This guy's good, man. Like I was like, okay, no, he's small. Like there's no way he's the number one receiver. Oh yes, he can. Like his body control is insane. His route running is so dirty. Like, it is the most insane thing. I was watching tape on him yesterday, and there is a – it wasn't even a passing play. It wasn't even a passing play, and he still ran a route to, you know, trick out the corner. And he tricked out the corner so bad it was a curl route, and his curl was so clean, the corner was five yards away from him before he realized what was happening. Like, it was – he is so good. His catch radius is great. He is a fast receiver. This guy, I do not make this comparison lightly because normally I'm like, okay, I know I'm comparing him a Hall of Famer, but I'm not saying like he's got that type of career. 
This guy is Tyreek Hill 2.0. Wow. Like, this okay. is – he is going to be so good. I am really hoping he goes to the Cardinals because I'm kind of scared he ends up going to the Titans. But I think that, yeah. So I, I, I absolutely love this guy. My one concern on him is that he's 6'4", so his height's good. But he's listed at 205, which is the school listing. So, Amir, realistically, we know he's coming in more around like 195. Probably. So, mm-hmm. he needs to build on the frame a lot. But we said this a ton during our draft coverage that that's not a huge ask when you get to the NFL. It's pretty standard with all prospects exactly. when they come into the NFL, right? To just build up a little bit of mass, build up some muscle. So, yeah, that's going to come for sure. So, and again, I haven't watched a ton of him yet. Um, but right now, my comparison is a taller uh, Tyreek Hill. Like he's he's gonna be a star. He's gonna be a star. If he can translate those skills, whoo, he's gonna be dirty. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, know. let's get to number three here. We got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now on the clock here, and I don't think Tampa Bay is going to be that bad. Like, I mean, obviously they have some quarterback issues going from they're gonna Tom be Brady. top ten. I think they're gonna be I top ten, once, but I don't think number once again, three. I think top ten as well. Um, that going from top Brady good. to now big, exactly. That's the biggest thing as to why I think they're not going to be as bad as number three overall. Like, I think that defense is definitely going to be a lot better. They'll be a lot healthier. The only thing I worry about is just if the offense is not as successful with Baker Mayfield under center compared to your Tom Brady, then that'll let the defense get a little bit more tired, which will obviously let them possibly lose a handful of games there. But I think, you know, we talked about this so many times already. The NFC South is wide open, so I think they have a chance to possibly play for a division title. So, I mean, it, even if they have a losing record, they'll probably still be in contention for the NFC South title. So if they win the title, they're automatically going to be in the bottom 20, right? So, I mean, I don't think they're going to be at number three, but once again, we'll play with this exercise here. So we'll keep them at number three. They definitely need to upgrade the quarterback position. Unfortunately, Tad, Kyle Trask is not going to work out for Tampa Bay. Baker oh, Mayfield, I think you. we'll see about how that. We'll you. see about that. Uh, but yeah, I think they'll go in the quarterback direction here. I think it makes the most sense. Drake May, the quarterback out of North Carolina. I mean, he's the prototype yeah. when it comes to your make and build at the quarterback position coming in at 6'4". Um, can make every throw on the field that he wants to. I mean, I think one of the big things that I've sort of been reading is that he sort of needs to improve his progression. But I think this is a nice thing because we're looking at your 2024 now. So it's like they have a full college season to sort of improve on some of these things that are preventing them to possibly be a lot higher as far as their position group is concerned and being overall drafted in the first round too. So I think there's a lot to like with Drake May. I think he could be, if he has a very successful season, um, he could challenge Caleb Williams for that number one spot. But it really just depends on how successful his season he has. If he can improve on his read progressions, reading the defenses, I think very similar to like, you know, I wouldn't say Will Levis, but I'm going to say that maybe he has a little bit more of an advantage over Will Levis as far as his read and recognition skills and being more intelligent with the ball. So I see him making some good strides this year. Hopefully. I mean, I'm, well, I honestly have to wait and see to see what happens there with him. But I think he's very entrenched as that number two quarterback. Right, Ted? I'll get to Drake May in a bit. Okay. I don't want to spoil anything. But it's funny because I actually had Drake May in this pick as well. And then, I, you know, a thought kind of occurred to me. And I'm like, you know what? Let's do this. And I looked up 2024 NFL free agents. There's a fascinating quarterback that will – that is slated to be on the free agent market. Do you know who it is? No idea. Kirk Cousins is going to be a free agent this year. 
Interesting. Okay. Now, now think about this, this from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers perspective. Let's assume this happens, that they end up with the number three overall pick. And if that happened, like you said, the Baker Mayfield uh, experiment failed, the Kyle Trask experiment failed. But also think about it from the Buccaneers perspective, okay, we could go young quarterback, but our offense is built to succeed right now. Tristan Wirfs is ending the end of his uh, rookie contract. So we're, we're going to need to pay him big time because that dude has worked out incredibly well. Mike Evans is not getting any younger. We're paying uh, Chris Godwin a hell of a lot of money. Do we really want to spend two or three years developing a guy? So here's my prediction is Kirk Cousins will be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer next season, which means they have an opening to draft basically whoever they want. So I think they're going to sign uh, or sorry, not sign. They're going to draft Joe Alt, the offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. I think at 6'7", 317 pounds, this dude is a physical monster. This is exactly what they did with Tristan Wirfs, right? They said, okay, this guy is really, really good because I know people are going, no, no, no. We just signed uh, Jadecki. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Their former second round pick out of Central Michigan last year, who was drafted to be a guard, by the way. They're moving him to right tackle. That's how thin this offensive line is. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jedeke? Jedeke. That's how you say it. Jedeke. There we go. You guys, uh, our listeners know how I am with pronunciations. It takes me to try or two. Jedeke. So Jedeke, we're going to see. And maybe he works out. If he does, great. Then that opens up for you to take some other players we're going to name later. But ultimately, I don't think that's a smart move. I remember my scouting report for Jedeke. I was like, eh, I don't really see that versatility there. So I think that that's going to fail. And if you get worse along with Alt on both sides, well, great. Kirk Cousins is not a mobile quarterback. So you need to protect him best you can. So I think that the Buccaneers are still in win now mode. And you need to do whatever you can. Cause I, I just, I don't see them with, again, with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin be like, we could take a couple years. Yeah. Let's, let's wait two or three years before we're back in the running. I don't see them doing that. I think Kirk cousins is their best bet next year to get back in contention, especially as we said on this podcast in a very weak NFC South. So I think that they will sign Kirk cousins or another veteran quarterback or trade for somebody that could allow them to compete and take that pressure off them to draft a quarterback in the top five. So I actually see them making a veteran quarterback move and going somewhere else in the draft. And I think that will be Joe Alt, the offensive tackle at Notre Dame at number three. That's not a bad move, but yeah, I think just personally for me, I don't think Tampa is going to be picking at three anyways. I think they have a good enough team that they'll, they'll, be, they'll, they'll be upper top 10. They'll be like fringe top 10. Yeah, I think yeah, it's like, like maybe 10, nine. 11, possibly yeah. 12. It's like, I think somewhere around there, but I don't think they'll be at three. But yeah, if they go three, I think they just go for hit that full reset mode. I don't think Todd Bowles will turn as a head coach. I think they'll no, probably go in a different if, direction. If they're picking at three, Bowles is Bulls won't last the season if they're that bad. Exactly. So I think they go in a different direction. They fire him. They get somebody more offensive-minded, and they get their quarterback of the future in Drake May there. But, yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. Kirk Cousins landing at Tampa Bay. That makes a ton of sense, too. So we'll see how it plays out. So let's get to number four. Number four. <laughs> Just like in 2023. Is, unfortunately, I think this one's fairly realistic. You think so? Okay. So they so. had the Indianapolis Colts picking at number four again for back-to-back years. Um. So you think this is pretty accurate? You think the Colts are going to be picking up four? I, you know, after the schedule release videos, my friends were asking me, like, you know, what's your record prediction? And I believe I had the Colts winning five games. This mock draft has oh, them winning four, okay. if I'm okay. correct. So okay. it's just, yeah. 
I think we got one against the Jags. I think we beat the Houston Texans twice. Well, for some reason, the Jags have your number. So, I mean, it's yeah, like, well, it's not going to be a Jags. Well, what, <laughs> no, no, no. The Jags only, here's the weird thing. The Jags only have our number in Jacksonville. Whenever they come to Indianapolis, we tend to play them pretty well. So, it's just like, so, yes, we are going to lose in Jacksonville. I'm not kidding myself there. I think we beat Houston twice. And I don't know. We're going to have some who gives a shit upset, you know, sometime in the last second half of the season. But yes, no, I don't think the Colts are going to, even if Anthony Richardson does work out, I don't think we're going to be very good. That's fair. That's fair. So what do you think the, uh, the Colts go there at number four then? So I'm not going to lie. There's kind of a reason I have the Buccaneers taking Joe Alt because I really, really, really want the Colts to lay in this guy. And that is a guy whose name I will eventually need to learn how to pronounce correctly, but fuck it. I'm going to give it a shot. Lumawaya Fashanu. Yeah, I don't think that was right. Oh, was... son of a bitch. Alumayua. Alumayua. Damn it. I, that was close. That was better than most of my pronunciations. That's not saying much. Did I get Fashanu right? You got Fashanu right. There but... we go. One out of two. I'll take it. <laughs> but this guy, I honest to God, Emer, I truly mean this. I think it was a mistake for him to go back to college because if he would have stayed and declared for the 2023 NFL draft, I really honestly believe the bears never would trade out of that number one pick and they would have taken him with it. I honestly God believe that this dude is an absolute physical monster, but the problem is this next, I don't, I, I really don't understand why he decided to go back because this next year's class is so crowded with not great, but good tackles where if he has a, kind of a down year it's very possible he could slip so sure. again it's a little bit of cheating on my part there's a little bit of a pipe dream but if the colts get him with a mobile quarterback like anthony richardson let's pray for the best let's say that anthony richardson works out this hey is i'm group. optimistic you're the one who's you're, not no, I, 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 again i'm speaking to myself here but if anthony richardson does work out and we get this athletic of a tackle at number four who really should be a contender at number one like that is a dream come true. So I think no matter who is there, the Colts need to go offensive line here. Braden Smith is has a potential out of his contract because he's due about twelve million dollars if my memory serves after this season. So I think he's gone because he's he's not that he's bad. He's just not worth being a top five paid offensive tackle. And on top of that, uh, I mean it's just it's one of those things where I, I wish he was good, but Bernard Raymond the pick i was so so excited about in last year's draft yeah he sucks he's not good <laughs> and i i hope he has a sophomore bounce back but if he looks bad in the second year i think it's time to call it so we need to start building up this offensive line yet again and i think that this is the uh this year's draft 2024 is the year to do it so i love uh hold on let me try it i need to look at it fashanu oh you're not gonna try the first name no, God, no. Oh, wow. No, 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 no. Lame. Yep. Lame. Oh, fine. Alamawaya? Yeah, it's Olumiwa. Oh, God damn it. Olumawiya. We're going to need to come up with some, like, phonetic holes. Well, they call him Olu. That. So you can call him Olu Fashanu. Olu? Yeah. All right, I like that. Oh, I'm really <laughs> adjusting my notes right now. But yes, no, I think if the Colts take him, that is an absolute home run pick. Instead of me throwing my headphones aside during the draft, I will be running laps around my apartment during the draft. 
Yeah, I think just looking at the offensive line that the Colts have, you know, I don't think that they're going to be as successful this year either. Like you talked about, sort of some aging veterans on that offensive line. It's like Quentin Nelson can only do so much for the offensive line, that unfortunately. Guy, man, I feel so <laughs> Like, bless his heart. But yeah, that is a Hall of Fame career that is being just, like, wasted. <laughs> absolutely squandered. Absolutely squandered, unfortunately. But so I think they addressed the offensive line. I actually have the same tackle out of Penn State going to the Indianapolis Colts here because I think I actually like him a little bit more than Joe Alt surprisingly i think joe Alt i do is just that like he's i said that physical i kind of fixed that my my mock drafts of the colts will land him but honestly it's just like i think just joe alt is that physical presence i think he has yeah. a little bit more mobility than some of the uh, bigger tackles that we saw drafted in this most recent draft class with your broderick jones and your day one jones where they're just these huge hulking beasts that just sort of physically impose their will on people but just like you need to have a little bit of technique so joe alt's a little bit more refined in that sense but i could still sense a little bit of just like you know some misgivings there where it's just like some defensive lineman could sort of take advantage of his hulking size, not being able to sort of reach down as much to like, you know, get those bending edge rushers or things like that. Whereas like, I like Olu Fashano here. I think a little bit more, I think he's got that quick feet. He's got the strong hands. He's a plug and play starter. So I think I like him a little bit more. So that's why he's my first tackle off the board. But once again, we're still very early in the process, guys. So, I mean, there's a lot of time to go. To, to me, it's not a perfect comparison, but it's like Skronsky versus Broderick Jones. Exactly like what you said. Is Broderick Jones was the physical freak. I will never say that Skronsky is a better athlete than Broderick Jones, but he was so raw. And that's my thing with Alt is Alt is scary. Like I yep. gave his measurables before. He's 6'7". Uh, let me look it up real quick. 6'7", 317 pounds. That's a freak right there. But the problem is he tends to just kind of like, like, you know, depend on his athleticism too much. Mm -hmm. While uh, Fashanu, that is a technical masterpiece at work there. Like you can tell he understands the position, but he may not be as physical and physically intimidating. So it's like what fits your offense the best? And that could determine who goes before who there. Yeah, that's 100% fair, 100% fair. So let's get to the next couple of picks here, Tad. We're now at the five, six, and seven spots. So we got the Commanders at number five. We had the Green Bay Packers at number six, and then the Las Vegas Raiders again picking at number seven. So Washington, I 100% agree. I think they're easily going to be a top five pick. I do not have yeah, any sort of optimism gonna, in them we'll being very good, better, very yeah. competitive here in 2023. We talked about this after the draft specifically that Washington was one of my losers as far as their draft because every of that division got better with their draft. Washington made some questionable decisions. Yeah, they addressed some holes, but just I was a little bit questionable as far as when they decided to address some of those holes specifically. So yeah, I'm not very confident in them. The Packers, it's really stringent on Jordan Love. I think that's just the biggest thing, right? So it's like, if he's successful, Packers will not be picking in the top 10. If he's not successful... I could see him pick – I could see the Packers being somewhere in the 6-8 to eight range for sure. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a little bit reasonable there too. The Raiders are once again very interesting too. They obviously signed Jimmy Garoppolo in the offseason, so it's very similar to – I thought they were too harsh on the Raiders. That was, that was the one team I was like, yeah, I wish we could replace us. Maybe, maybe, but it's like, yeah, it's once again stringent on his uh, play style and just how successful he is. And obviously just a lot of thing with the Raiders is just their defense is usually a question mark too. I know they added some key pieces in free agency. They added through the draft as well. So we'll see if they can sort of rebound here in 2023. But here at seven, it's not too unrealistic to sort of see it there. Whoa. And, you know, definitely if they're hold at on, that low spot. Hold, hold, hold on for, oh, okay. I see what you're doing. Sorry. I thought we were skipping to pick number seven. 
No, we're not skipping. Because I'm very, along. I'm, we're very, doing the podcast. I'm, what is very, I'm very excited for pick number five. Oh I want to make sure God. we weren't skipping it. Oh, my Lord. Oh, Even just you wait. Terrible. I, <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I think I see realistically that the Raiders pick you at seven. I could see that happening. But I agree. I think maybe they are a little bit too harsh. Maybe they pick outside the top ten. But, yeah, regardless, if they're near that top ten, Josh McDaniels is gone. Like, I think that's for sure. I think it's you like, think? this is one of those. You think after year two? I, I think so. I think it's like, you know, we're seeing this experiment. They tried oh my God, Adams, the Broncos all Thought they committed to Derek Carr. It's like, yeah, I think it very much can see that happening. It's just like, yeah, I, I, I could see him being on a very hot seat. He may get a letter a year, luckily, if it's very similar to, La, to Los Angeles Chargers with Brandon Staley, where a lot of people thought he was going to get fired, but then he ended up didn't. And so this is sort of his grace year now, where it's like, okay, now what happens here? And so this could be a very similar situation with Josh McDaniels, where it's like he gets this year, but next year he is like on a fire seat. Like it is absolutely on fire. You, so. you know what I could see happening? This is a Chris Ballard situation in Indianapolis where it's like you have one year, but good God, you better have somebody we can link to the future, which I truly do believe is the only reason Chris Ballard, who, by the way, those of you who don't know, is the Colts GM. I was shocked he wasn't fired. That is the pure reason he drafted Anthony Richardson. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. was like, I need to link myself to this kid and like, God, please be good. Because, like, if this kid is good, my career is good. But, like, if you suck your rookie year, I'm so fired. So, like, I could absolutely see the uh, Josh McDaniels doing something similar of, like, okay, I have one more grace here. We need to draft one of these, like, young guys. Especially with such a loaded QB class, I could absolutely see that happening. And, meanwhile, yet again, Jimmy Garoppolo is the victim of, you know, a young quarterback behind him. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So let's get to picks five, six, and seven here, Tad. Let's start with the Washington Commanders to number five. Who you got them taking? Okay, this is the one I was super excited, which is why I uh, uh, put it in there. I think the Washington Commanders select Drake May, the quarterback sense. out of UNC. Sense, yeah. I love Drake May. This is probably my hottest draft take. And again, this is one of those hilarious ones we can revisit. But as of now, I like Drake May more than I like Caleb Williams. Okay. All right. I, like, I, I love his ability i mean the dude scored 45 total touchdowns last year 38 passing seven rushing with only seven interceptions by one of the worst offensive lines in college football like he is so good like the one complaint i have on him and i can't really blame him is he doesn't really read th- uh you know progress through his reads that well mm-hmm. but it's kind of hard to progress through your reads when you only have about four seconds to throw the damn ball so I, I think that he tends to check down a little too early, but that is legitimately the only complaint I have on him. His rushing stats are on par with guys like Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray. Like it is, he is one of the best quarterbacks out there. I really do believe in the fact that he had one of the worst offensive lines and he is, does not have David Carr syndrome already tells me he can place him on one of the worst teams in the NFL. And he has a toughness to last through it. Drake may in my opinion, should be the first overall pick in this year's draft. Like, I absolutely love this kid. I think he has the touch. He has the deep accuracy. He has the, you know, just the it factor. I think the commanders, if you get him at number five, that will be one of those picks that we look back on years from now saying, how, how did that happen? So like that and again, that's why I interrupted you because I want to talk about this so much. Is like Drake May is my draft darling. I really hope he stays consistent through this year because ooh, this won't age well if he doesn't. 
So I think Drake May is unfortunately going to suffer a season-ending injury because oh, Tad has put a jinx on him now. <laughs> yeah, now he's going to – yeah. It's going to be Sam Bradford where he destroys his shoulder uh, in week one. No, no, no. We're not wishing that on anybody. Honestly. No, of course. So, yeah, we're not wishing it. We're not wishing it. We're just <laughs> – Not wishing it, yes. Unfortunately, I'm predicting it. But Tad has put it out there in the universe for sure. <laughs> okay, yeah. Put it on me. <laughs> 100% it's on you. Um, uh, at number five, I got the Washington Commanders taking Joel Alt at no, out of Notre Dame, the office tackle here. I think Not they need to pick. improve their offensive. I think they need to improve their offensive line. Like I talked about in this most recent draft in 2023, I think they addressed the offensive line, but they did it with Braden Daniels, who's sort of like a tackle guard hybrid at the University of Utah. So he's currently slated to back up Charles Leto Jr. So it's like I see that they're probably going to be developing him and maybe use him as a swing lineman in case there are some injuries, obviously. But I think they need to get a legit tackle prospect a guy who could be a bookend on one end of the offensive lines most likely the left tackle position i think joe alt will fit that description for sure sort of give them a little bit more credibility and you know whether it's sam howell whether it's another quarterback give them a little sense of security on that blind side for sure so i got joe alt here at washington number six we got the green bay packers tad who do you think they got here so the green bay packers was a hard one because i was like man did they try to replace jordan love here but Ultimately, I think they try to give Jordan Love another year, and they take Emeka Abuka. Am I doing that right? Yeah, that's actually not bad. Okay, I'll take it. The wide receiver out of Ohio State, which, by the way, would be two years in the last five that Ohio State had two receivers go in the top 15, which would just be ridiculous. But yeah. Abuka stepped up when Marvin Harrison Jr. got hurt, and so I think that there the, the it's kind of one of those things where they're like, all right, fine. Draw love. Here's all your, which by the way, they never did for Aaron Rodgers. but here's all your weapons. We drafted two tight ends. You know, at this point, two years ago, you have Christian Watson and Ibuka. If you can't do anything with this, you're a bust. I honestly think that's the approach they will take. So I don't think, I don't know about humor, but I don't think Jordan Love's going to do that, uh, do all that well this year. I could see, absolutely see the Packers picking in the top 10. And Buka put up over 1,000 yards last year with 77 catches. So I think that there is enough there to kind of create what I see as, uh, you'll like this, kind of a 49ers offense. Christian Watson will be their Debo Samuel. And Ibuka, the way he plays, will be their Brandon Ayuk, more the, you know, kind of athletic receiver where, okay, we use him more in the jet sweeps. We kind of use him more in trick plays type of thing. And I think that will be the approach that Green Bay should take. And now will they? Yet to be seen. But I think that's not a bad approach to kind of build around Jordan Love, give him all the support. So I see two Ohio State receivers going in the top ten. Very likely, very likely. But once again, I'm going to play this card for you, Tad. Green Bay Packers do not draft pass catchers in the first round. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen 100% the well, top 10 either. So I do agree with you that, yes, it seems like the Packers, for some reason, are willing to support Jordan Love compared to uh, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, right? We talked about this. With does that almost feel like to spy Aaron Rodgers? It might be. It might be, but we I saw get that very, field during the draft. We saw this very similar thing happen with the New York Jets. We talked about this too, where it's like Sam Darnold was not getting the proper support either in the receiving department or the blocking department. But all of a sudden they draft Zach Wilson. He's been given anybody and everybody to sort of protect him and for players to throw to him. Obviously, just Zach Wilson just hasn't worked out. Now we'll see what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers in New York there. But just I see the same thing like we talked about happening in Green Bay. They're going to give him some weapons to obviously support him to get the most out of him. I 
I actually don't mind their receiving core right now because they have Christian Watson. They have Romeo Dubs. They just drafted Jaden Reed out of Michigan State, who I really like. They also drafted the two rookies. so inconsistent, though. It's true. They also have the Samari Toure, who they drafted in the seventh round. He was actually not bad as well in some fill-in spots. And then they both got they got the two bookend tight ends receiving threads of Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft. I think they're going to develop into good receiving options for Jordan Love as well up the seam, right? So it's like I don't think they need to address it with Emeka Emeka Abuka, I believe. That's the yeah, we're going to right? learn that one. Yeah, I don't know. We, we you're asking me? You're we got a lot of time. Of all people. We got a lot of time on okay. that one. So just the the second receiver at Ohio State, I don't think they need to address that as early. Whereas I think now that they have some good weapons on the offense, I'd like to think they may go offensive line, but with both Olu Fashanu both gone and Joe Alt gone, I don't know if they reach for a tackle. Like J.C. Latham out of Alabama yeah. could be an option no here, tackle really but I don't think here. they take him here yeah. at six. I think they address the defense, and I think they go with the best corner prospect on the board. They go with probably one of the coolest names in this year's draft, this I'm upcoming so draft class too. Kool-Aid McKinstry, the quarterback out of the University of Alabama. Just a great prospect, like I said, with a great name to pair with him as well. Just an athletic quarter from Alabama. Showcases good speed. He's got good lanes. Can cover pretty much almost any receiver that's going to be covering him at the next like Playing against him at the next level, that's more of what it is. He could cover any receiver. That's what I was trying to say. Adept at reading routes to sort of prevent any sort of plays from happening on him. So it's like one of those situations where it's like he's going to be reading routes really well that quarterbacks may not be even looking in that direction. It's very similar to like what we talked about a handful of episodes ago about Nandi Asimov, where it's like you don't see the stats, oh, yeah. but he was so dominant that it's just like there's a reason why there's no stats. Nobody's throwing him that – those throwing the ball in that direction. So I don't think he's going to be Nandi Asimov, but I think he's got that type of skill set to eventually become that type of prospect for sure. But I think he's got both skill sets, both in the man coverage as well as zone coverage. So I think he's going to be an excellent prospect here. I know they have Jair Alexander. I know they have Razul Douglas, but those guys are getting a little bit older. You definitely need to get younger in the position. You definitely Razul Douglas is about to get paid too. He's exactly. Get a so contract. It wouldn't be surprising, especially if the Packers are not all that great this upcoming season. Maybe he decides to walk and go somewhere else, right? So it's like there's a possibility there. So upgrade the quarter position. Get one of the best quarter prospects here in Cooley McKinstry. I am so glad you brought up Asamoah because at number seven with the Las Vegas Raiders, I have them taking Kool-Aid McKinstry. There you go. I like it. I like it. <laughs> and I honestly expect him to bust on the scene like the Kool-Aid man where you like bust through the wall and be like, oh, yeah. Like this kid is so good. I actually disagree with you on the fact that like he doesn't show up with the stats. This dude had 15 passes defended last season. I think he's going to do it all over again. Like this is a legit number one cornerback. I honestly think that's why I'm so excited for next year's draft is so offensive heavy. A lot of these really, really good defensive guys, which we'll get to in a bit are going to fall. And it's going to be like, wow, I can't believe like they got this guy here. And like, if I was a contender, like, I don't know, for example, the Chargers, where I need a pass rusher to eventually replace Khalil Mack. This is a prime opportunity for you to kind of step up, trade up for guys that will help you immediately because a lot of good players on the defensive side of the ball are going to fall just because it is so quarterback heavy. It is so wide receiver heavy. It is, I won't say as tight end heavy as this year, because as we said on the podcast in the past, this was probably the most tight end heavy draft I've ever seen but is a yet another tight end heavy draft so i think if you need a defensive player this is the best year in quite a while 
So I think that Kool-Aid McKintree, which, yes, I have to agree with you, such a great nickname. I never it, – it's hilarious because I never thought we would one-up Sauce because Sauce is a great nickname as well. And then, what, two years later, we're now at Kool-Aid. But I think that the Raiders uh, definitely need corner help. They just hosted Marcus Peters for a visit. Uh, they clearly need – corner help so i think that kool-aid mckintry if he is there at number seven should the raiders be picking there absolutely will be the pick tad please tell me he has an nil deal with the kool-aid oh he should I don't, he not, to. not to my knowledge he but he to. Needs to. He needs to. <laughs> that's just like imaginated heaven <laughs> here's the irony though is uh can kool-aid afford that i feel like they're like on i don't know struggling here I don't know, but I feel like it's just it's worth there. it. It's just it's so automatic. It. It's just automatic. So I have the Raiders addressing the defense too at number seven, but I think they go at the linebacker position. So some people may say he might not be worth the top 10 selection, but I think he has the talent to sort of become a top 10 selection. I'm going to go with Jeremiah Trotter Jr., mm. the linebacker out of the University of Clemson. And Ted, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but I don't expect you to have an answer. Can you name the last like prominent name at the linebacker position for the Raiders? Lana McLean. And how did he work out? Uh, not well. He, he, <laughs> I, I remember this. This is the only memory I have of him. I'm pretty sure it was him. He body slammed Danny Amendola. And I, that, that was the last thing I remember about him. Yep, seems possible. But like, okay, so yeah, I will give you when they drafted him, it was a big deal. But like you said, the career didn't work out. So we no, didn't see enough no. of him on the field to be a dominant presence for the Raiders, right? So it's like, I don't think they've ever had a really dominant linebacker, linebacker in recent yeah, memory, no, right? So I think Jeremiah Trotter could sort of be that guy for them finally. I think he's got the lineage. Obviously, his father was just a sensational player for both the Washington uh, what Washington Commanders, not the Commanders at the time. We're not going to say Washington, that. Name, Washington racial slurs. There you go. And obviously, he was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, such a dominant force for the Eagles oh, defense shit. as well. I really can't name another one. Wow. Yeah, right? It's just they who's, haven't who's had... the psycho that played for the Cowboys? Um, didn't he play for the Raiders? Psycho. The white guy that was insane in the 90s. Oh, Bill Romanowski? Yeah, didn't he play for the Raiders? Yeah, but that's like, you're talking about the 90s. I'm talking yeah, about no, recent memory. Right. Oh, no, recent, recent oh, memory. Oh, no, I got nothing. No, I got nothing. Because, <laughs> yes, I could name Kirk Morrison. He was there in the early 2000s. He was a dominant <laughs> linebacker, too. But I'm talking about recent history. So it's like, yeah, they haven't had a really good presence in the middle of the field. I think Jeremiah Trotter is going to bring that. He's got the leadership skills. I already talked about the lineage. He's got the read and recognition skills. He could drop in to uh, get you after the run. He could drop into coverage. He could cover side and sideline. He could be that leader for any defensive unit in the NFL. He's got that type of talent. I hope he can sort of build on that in his final season at Clemson here to become a top 10 pick. But I think the Raiders need to address that position. That's one of those positions, like we talked about. They haven't had a dominant one in recent history. They need that guy. I think uh, Jeremiah Trotter could be that guy for them. Yeah, shit, I love that pick. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great pick. That's a great pick. Can't say anything. It's, it's funny because I've never really realized that before, but like, yeah, no, I can't name. I mean, Alden Smith, but he was outside. He was But he's inside. yeah, he's an edge rusher. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, they had some guy with like Kiskowski or something like that. They had him there for a while. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, Kwiatowski, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying that. Yeah, they called him the Polish Hammer. But, yeah, he wasn't drafted by the Raiders either. <laughs> no, um, he wasn't. That was a free agent sign. Yeah, and he only lasted for, like, a couple seasons with them, and then he moved if, on. If so a it's couple. Just, 
I don't, yeah, I don't think it was even a couple either, but just like, yeah, so it's just like they haven't had a mainstay at that linebacker position. I think Jeremiah Charter can be that he's, guy. He's not like into, you know, you know, make you feel good. He's not like the 49ers where they go through like Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, uh, Fred Warner. Like you're just like cycling through all these great inside yeah. linebackers. Like Seriously. they're almost the opposite. Sorry, yeah. fans. This is what you get for moving the A's. <laughs> but yeah, so Jeremiah Trotter at number seven, I can see that very much happening. So I love it. The, I love it. Let's get to the final three picks here, Tad. So we got the Tennessee Titans on the clock at number eight. Then we got the Los Angeles Rams. So that'll be pretty interesting. We'll talk about their pick at number nine. Then we'll close it out with the Chicago Bears. Thanks to the trade with the Carolina Panthers. They're going to be picking at number 10 because I see that very much happening. Carolina I feel, will be like, I feel like the Bears will look at that pick and like, damn it. Like they were really <laughs> hoping to get in the top five, but we'll get to that. Yeah. So Bears will close out the top 10. Based on this mock draft exercise, they'll close out the top 10 there. So let's go with number eight to your rivals in the AFC South here, the Tennessee Titans. What do you think they address here at this position? So this is one of my favorite picks in terms of fit and least favorite picks in terms of shit. I think this will actually work out. I think the Tennessee Titans, if they pick a number eight, should take – god damn it. I hate this, especially because it killed my favorite college team. Uh, I think the Tennessee Titans are going to take Brock Bowers. If they're at number wow. eight. Once again, you and your hate for Chigs of Conquil. I don't get it. Uh, yeah, we, it was funny because I almost looked <laughs> up this guy's name. I was like, I know Murray loves that tight end. I, I don't almost, love him. I'm just so surprised you that you him. hate him. No, you You're like every him. step of the way. He's You're trying to replace good. this guy. He's terrible. No, he's not. <laughs> yes, he is. But anyway, Brock Bowers, I won't call him a generational talent, but this dude is like, I would be absolutely shocked if he busted the NFL. His absolute floor, floor, not ceiling, his floor is, okay, he was good. Which if you're taking the top 10, I know I've, I've received YouTube comments for this before. Not bad. Because you look at some of those top 10 picks and they just bust full out. When his floor is okay, all you Titans fans, make sure you're spreading some love for Chicks Aquaco and the Codbeds because I don't love him dare. for some reason. No, Tad does not. He's not good. <laughs> and so okay, so all hate mail to Tad. All hate yeah, have Malik Willis who may or may not be on the roster three months from now. Jeez, but what a surprising move there. <sighs> well, we'll see if it's a move right well, now. I'm about to say, yeah, yeah, surprising we'll story. Maybe, maybe still, that was you being a prophet there. Stayed, but. Okay, let's assume you move forward with Will Levis, right? You need to surround him with weapons. And that I feel like that was the weakest point of the Titans offense was your lack of passing weapons. I think that will, again, be their weakest point of the offense moving forward this year. There you is go. Your lacking I was about to say, was offense. the weakest point? It's still the it weakest still point. It still is, exactly. And Brock Bowers is the perfect tight end to put in that offense because not only can you play him in the traditional tight end set, but you can also move him out to the slot and he will still succeed there. Trust me, he put up about fucking 30 points against my TCU Horned Frogs. This dude is good. So I think the Titans will give Will Levis, or Malik Willis, probably Will Levis, another shot after this year to really prove himself. And they will go, okay, look, here are all your weapons to prove yourself. Go ahead. And so I think that Brock Bowers at this point in the draft is the best chance to do that. So I think they go with the tight end slash receiver here to do so. I don't hate the pick. I mean, I'll start it off there. But just oh, like I said, yeah. I think just your hate for Chigs Aquaco. And I, your I love for him it. is also equally weird, by the way. <laughs> I just don't understand it. I just don't I don't understand it. your love for him, but it's just... <laughs> 
that's fire nice but i do agree that's like they definitely need to upgrade at the pass catching position obviously whether that's at the tight end position whether it's at the receiver position um so i do agree that upgrade is there but just i think it might be a little bit early i think there's no, other positions they need good. to address i'm telling you that guy is going to be a superstar no, I don't think he's not going to be a superstar, but I think for the Titans, I think they could address other mm, positions okay. with other prospects that yeah, that's are high level fair. as well. So well that's, that's why they're picking the top 10 because they are so weak yeah. like everywhere else. Like That's why I feel almost bad for Will Levis. Like, dude, I feel like he's set up for failure here. Yes or no, Mike Vrabel head coach in 2024? No. Yeah. I well, okay, I will say this. If they make the playoffs, even as like a like last-minute wild card, like, oh, we got it last week, I think he'll save it. But if they miss the playoffs, he gets fired. For me, I think it's just like even if they sort of squeak into the playoffs, I think and he's fired. I think they need to move on. They need to move on because there's a lot of rumors circulating. And sorry, just quick tangent, just circulate that. There's a lot of stories coming out that players think that defensive head coaches can't groom quarterbacks. And now you draft I saw that. Levis. I saw that earlier. You had obviously this these issues with Malik Willis already in the same back-to-back drafts, right? So it's like you wonder whether the Titans are sort of picking up on all that. They'll see how the season goes. It's like if Vrabel can't develop Will Levis – behind Ryan Tannehill, and also they don't keep Malik Willis on their 53, 56-man roster, whatever it is, that's saying something. So I think they need to move in a direction to get an offensive-minded head coach so they can get the most out of Will Levis. Because we talked about it. Will Levis is a project. You need to make sure you can develop him. Because, yeah, if you can't, then it's like, all right, well, now you're just back to the drawing board again. And they're just going to be at the bottom of that division potentially still. The Malik Willis thing, I don't know if you feel the same way, does have similar like Josh Rosen vibes. Where it's like, mm-hmm. he was our future, and it fell apart within a year. And, yeah. like, we saw what happened. Who was the coach at that time? It wasn't Bowles. It was Steve, um, Wilkes. Steve Wilkes. Exactly. Like, you fucked up so badly on our gamble. Like, you're out. So, I I like Mike Vrabel as coach. I honestly I do. like him as head coach, too. But just, I but, think in this direction ooh. that they try to go in, I think they have to make well, a move to move hey, Can we just say real quick, I, we're doing a whole other podcast episode at this point, but like... <laughs> a podcast within a we, podcast. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's podcast section. Yeah, there we go. But this is what we, exactly what both of us were saying when the Tannehill signed that contract of like, this is a stupid ass contract. Why 100%. marry yourself to Tannehill? Like that was that was so dumb. One hundred percent by Tennessee. But anyway, so yeah, so I think Tennessee goes a weapon to help Willis, uh, uh, Levis, or uh, I mean, good lord, they stick with Tannehill for another year. We'll see what happens there. But either way, I think they just take a weapon and just like fuck it, we'll find someone that you know makes do with them. That's fair. That's fair. So I don't mind it. But I think, like I said, they address, I think, another position here. I think they definitely could use some help on the defense. I think they address the pass rush here. So I got my pass rusher coming off the board here. It's Dallas Turner, the edge rusher out of the University of Alabama. Big shoes to fill with the replacing of Will Anderson Jr. I think he's got the talent to do it, though, to make it a seamless transition. Just an all-around athlete. He's a menace for opposing offensive lines. Very good at finding the right angles, Tad. Like, I mean, he has a way to just sort of find his way to get into the backfield, disrupt the play, whichever, whatever you're running a run, whether it's a pass, whatever it is, he can sort of get into the backfield, disrupt it there. Um, I did see that he does have some trouble shedding some blocks. I did watch a little bit of tape on him. So that's something that I think you just build up a little bulk, build up a little mass. Obviously, he has a year to sort of improve on all those things. Obviously, going to Alabama, lots of great defensive prospects coming out of there. I think he can refine his skills there, but I like him to come off the board here to Tennessee to be an upgrade for their pass rush there. So let's get to number nine. This one I want to spend a little bit of time on. It's the Los Angeles Rams. So 
We'll see if they hang on to this pick in the first round. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I think with all the needs that they sort of have on the team, they sort of are in a little bit of a rebuild mode, you know, because who knows what's going to happen with Matthew Stafford. We obviously saw that he had some injuries that derailed his season last year after winning the Super Bowl two seasons ago. Uh, They had Baker Mayfield for a surprising stint, but unfortunately they let him go. So they have Stetson Bennett there now back up. We'll see if Stafford can be healthy. Ozzy Cooper Cup was out for a lot of the season, but he was still productive when he was on the field. So we'll see what sort of changes we're going to see from this offense as far as like, will they go with the run a little bit more with the whole Cam Akers situation? What's going to happen on defense? It's like Aaron Donald and who else? Like, I mean, I don't know. There's not a lot of big names on the defense anymore. So it's just like, it's curious to see what's going to happen on the defense, obviously. But just, yeah, the Rams, like picking at nine wouldn't surprise me. Like, I mean, they have a lot of things they need to fix, but you also can't throw out Sean McVay. He's a very good head coach. He can obviously get a most out of he, what, what he can get a lot of what he has with him. So I'm not saying they're going to be like, division front runners but i'm going to say they're going to be competitive enough where it's like nine seems reasonable but it also wouldn't surprise me if they're picking like somewhere in the middle like maybe 12 13 14 around there so clearly you're giving me different vibes here so what do you think about the rams here at nine potentially i think they're gonna pick top six wow you think they're gonna be that bad all right bad i think they're gonna be bad. all right wow i think Stafford's gonna get hurt again i i don't have a lot of faith in the rams this year Okay. And yes, personal bias is obviously playing a role in there, but it's just one of those things. Like, I think their offensive Once line. Once again, is... all your Rams fans, all your hate mail goes to Tad. He is hating. No, no, I'm Rams I'm fans. Side twenty-three. Emergency side twenty-three. You shut your mouth. It is emergency side twenty-three on the ticker right there. See, it's coming across right now. Yeah. No. That's him. I'm a. Wait, no. I'm a. No, no, I'm no, just no. real quick. See, that's Tad. That that's me. I'm a mer. So yeah. Damn it. I'm a bitch. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I think it's one of those things like I I just that that offensive line, while promising, is still so young. The running promising. I still think there's a lot oh, I think of work it's there. You don't think so? I still think they need a little bit more help. And so that's why actually I have that pick here at number nine. I think it even though we talked about this with um Who's the pick that I was talking about earlier? The Green Bay Packers. I think they could upgrade the offensive line, but I think they went in a different direction there. So I think here it's not as much of a reach. I think we could see three offensive linemen going in the top ten here. Oh, so this is where I have this is where I had J.C. Latham out of Alabama going here because the Rams could definitely use the help at the tackle positions. They took Steve Avila. I think he's going to be a really good offensive guard Avila. position for the put, put respect on his name. Okay, sorry. Avila. Steve Avila. Um, so I think he's going to give some good upgrades to the interior, but they still need to make sure they secure the exterior of the offensive line. Very similar to what I talked about with the Washington Commanders with Joe Alt. They need to sort of get that bookend on that tackle position to protect the blind side of Stafford, Bennett, insert other quarterback that you want there, but just they need to secure that offensive line. That's one of the reasons why they were so successful winning that Super Bowl a couple seasons ago. They were able to get the most out of the offensive line as much as they could, obviously, right? So I think they sort of need to rebuild build that to be competitive in a very strong NFC West. So yeah, I think they go JC Latham. He's got a lot of skills that I think he just needs to develop a little bit more with one more year there at Alabama. And I think he can be a contender to possibly push Olu uh, Fashanu or Joe Alt, but I think he'll stop probably stay at the number three, as far as the tackle position class is concerned, but yeah, we'll see how what the season begins, but I think they go tackle here. I think they need to go more extreme. If if the season goes the way that we are both predicting, where it's not really good, look, Matthew Stafford, I think we can both agree is over the hill. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Unfortunately, that running game, 
fine, but not great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If Cooper Cup can stay healthy, okay, that receiving game's fine. But here's the ultimate end game here. They need their future single caller. They went all in on Matthew Stafford where, okay, great, got that Super Bowl with him. And I'm glad you did. But here's the thing is Matthew Stafford, by no fault of his own, he's not going to win another one. I don't think anyone believes that. So what do you do? You go after the next best quarterback that fits Sean McVay's system. They should draft at number nine, Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback of Washington. (laughs) I I love this. Right. (laughs) He is. I just that is an upset of monumental proportions. But Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback at Washington. This guy. I know what Rams fans are already saying. I can already hear Ryan Dyrude in my ears going, "Oh, great, another injury-prone quarterback, just like Matthew Stafford with his goddamn elbow." But here's the thing is Penix Jr. has shown over the last year no signs of a lingering injury. He, I think he just he got lucky. It happens. You get unlucky, you recover, you're good. Penix Jr. is not run-first quarterback, but he has mobile ability. His deep accuracy is, I'm not going to say great, but it's good enough to succeed in McVay's system. He is a very, very, I honestly, honest to God, He's the most patient passer I've seen in years. Like the, his ability to stay calm in the pocket, I, I don't understand it. Like if I had a 350-pound man chasing me, I'd be freaking the fuck out and like running down the hallway. And this guy, Penix, is just kind of sitting there like, okay, all right, like, where, where's my receiver? So I'm wondering what sort of stuff you got into that 350 pound. So would I, (laughs) so would I, to be totally honest. That's that's, I've had many a nightmare where I'm like, how did I land in this? But, uh, I, I really am a big believer in Penix jr. As of now, again, this could change. It's, uh, may. So this could change, but right now Penix jr. Is my number, uh, three quarterback in this year's draft. I know a lot of people have Bo Nix drafted, uh, uh, are ranked pretty high. I know a lot of people have KJ Jefferson, the guy of Arkansas ranked pretty high. Quinn Ewers out of Texas. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not a big believer. I've seen some sites that have him I'm at not number three. No, 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 I've seen sites that have had him in the top 10, but I don't think yeah. he's that good. Um, but yeah, no, for me, uh, Penix is the top, is the third best quarterback in this year's draft. And I think the Rams would be more than lucky to get him at this point. Interesting. So upgrade at the quarterback quarterback position with the lefty Michael Pettix Jr. Yeah, he is a lefty. Yep. Remind me again, Ted, I don't know if you remember this. Where did he transfer from? I want to say it's Indiana. Nebraska, right? Nope, Indiana, Indiana, that's what it was. Because I remember I was watching college highlights, and he had a six-touchdown game. You're getting game. your mediocre uh, Big Ten schools mixed up. So red and white once again. That's how yeah, I got exactly. mixed up, right? Uh, but I remember I was watching college highlights when he was at Indiana, and he had a six-touchdown game where it's like he ran in for two, he threw for four, and I was like, okay, this guy has some ability. But I think, once again, it's just that injury capability, that sort of injury history. And he got injured a couple times. In. It's, a, it's a fair concern. I'm not going to say it's a bad concern, but it's just it's one of those things like – I just, I don't know. I don't tend to knock uh, players too badly on uh, injuries unless it's the same injury. If the same yeah, injury keeps there. popping up, then I start getting worried because it's like, oh, shit, well, yeah, your meniscus is kind of, it's like Batman in the Dark Knight Returns <laughs> when it's like, uh, Bruce Wayne, you have no uh, meniscus left in your knee. And it's just like, eh, okay, yeah, no, that that's a problem when the same knee keeps getting hurt. But, uh, yeah. It's yeah, no, it's, it's, I, it's all different injuries. So I just, I think he's unlucky. It's not that it's a recurring thing. I think it's just unlucky. 
All right, so we'll see how it all plays out. He's got one more season here at Washington, and we'll see how he can develop there and sort of get over that sort of injury bug and prove it with some solid play on the field there. So let's close it out here, Tad. Number 10 is Chicago Bears via the Carolina Panthers. They'll be picking here. Um, I think they upgrade the defense here, but Tad, I got to pass it to you here first. What do you think they do here to close out the top 10? Completely agree with you. They upgrade the defense. You talked about them enough. I think right here is where the Bears draft Dallas Turner. The edge okay. out of Alabama. I like I, look, I'm not going to bat. By the way, I'm actually shocked. A lot of mock drafts I've been watching have had the Bears drafting a, a defensive tackle. Um, look, if, if Zach Pickens and uh, Dexon uh, Gerber suck out Florida, I don't think they're wow. going to give up. <laughs> that was not his name. Gervin Dexter Gervin Jr. Dexter. <laughs> God damn it. Dexter Gerber? <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, hold on. Notice, notice uh, what I did was I switched up the first letter of both yeah, of the essentially, names. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was, Gerber. Oh, gosh. But whatever. Uh, but I don't think either one of those – if they both suck, I don't think they're going to give up on them right away. So I don't see them going defensive tackle if they are in the top ten. What I do – by the way, I, I forgot if you mentioned this. This is the Carolinas. Uh, the Carolina Panthers yes, first are all I pick. mentioned that. Yep, yep, yep. So what I think they should do is the one area they did not address in last year or this year's draft at this time, last year's draft this Cummings year's draft. Yes. There we go. <laughs> is edge rusher. I was, sh- I was honestly shocked. They did not address edge rusher. So I think that will be a pr- primary focus for them. And I think they will go Dallas Turner. It was hard uh, determining between them and another player that I will yet to name partially because it's very hard to pronounce, but I do like Dallas Turner. Uh, better than the player that I will attempt because your face makes well, I'm curious good. who that player is because I have a different player and it's not a hard name. So that's why I'm curious who's this other player. Well, let's see your you player. Piqued my interest. Yeah, piqued my interest. Okay. No, let's see your player first. Okay. Fine. Show show your cards first, sir. All right. All right. So yeah, I I agree they do need to upgrade the defense. I do agree as well that they need to upgrade the pass rush as well because they did not do that here in their 2023 draft class. They wanted to support uh, Justin Fields a little bit more. And so they obviously signed some good players. Judge uh, Tremaine Edmonds, obviously they signed and a few other guys to upgrade the defense and free agency. So the draft, they obviously went in a different direction, but I think here going into 2024, I think they upgrade the pass rush here and picking at number 10. I think if this guy is here, excellent, excellent pick here. Excellent selection. Jared verse, the edge tackle out the edge rusher, excuse me, out of the Florida state university. Um, one thing that I'm sort of seeing is that he's a little bit smaller as far as his frame. But once again, we're just going to hit the same note on the record here the bulk up will come, whether it's going to be this final season of Florida state, or once he actually makes a transition to the NFL, he will bulk up. He'll get some mass. He'll build up some muscle. So he'll be just fine. Otherwise he's got good size. Um, explodes off the line of scrimmage. Like this guy is just like, you know, a cannon in a cannon ball sort of thing. Like, I mean, just absolutely shooting off there can easily get after the quarterback or the ball carrier can easily go sideline to sideline. Um, the only thing that sort of is interesting is a transfer tad from a smaller school, the University of Albany, to Florida State last year. So it's like we saw some of those transition sort of things as going from a smaller school to a big name school in Florida State. So we'll see if he can sort of build up on that in his final season here in Florida State to see if he can sort of, um, you know, get those skills that he had at Albany where he was just, you know, freak among all the other guys there just being so dominant. So it's like now when you're at it's sort of equal competition can he still be as effective? Hopefully he can pick up some tricks. Hopefully he can develop his uh, skills a little bit more where he beca- where he can become a dominant pass rusher at the NFL level as well and keep his stock high. I think that's the biggest thing too because, yeah, if we see sort of a little bit of like, oh, this guy's not as effective as we once saw him, 
I think he could tumble and maybe he'll be like end of the first round, maybe even slip into day two. We'll see about that. But just, I like what I saw a little bit. I saw Jared verse there. So that's why I think the bears will take a chance on him. Upgrade that defensive line, upgrade that passer specifically with verse out of Florida state. My one concern with verse. And that was not the guy, by the way, uh, verse. Well, obviously is, it wasn't. That's what I said. The name was a lot easier. That's what I was like. No, oh, yeah, that's not why it was Uh versus the type of athlete that I think is a freak athlete that succeeds at the college level because he's a freak athlete. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. People tend to, or people, uh, NFL teams tend to freak out, and he slips a little bit because of that. So I think versus the prototypical late 20s steal, because I do think he'll be good. So I think he'll slip a little bit more than people think. Um, I did look it up while you were talking. I'm going to try this. JT Tulumalayu? Yeah, I don't even remember coming across this name. So <laughs> he is uh, he is an edge rusher of Ohio State. Is T U I M O L O A U? Yeah, close enough. Yeah, we'll get these. Right. We still yeah. got time. Yeah, yeah, we got time. Apologies. He's good. He's good. Like I said, I almost considered you the spot, but. Yeah, that's scary. But I really do believe in Dallas Turner. I think he's going to be a good player. And I think no matter who it is, the Bears will go edge rusher at number 10 because, that again, that is their biggest need by a mile at this point. All right, Ted, really quick, let's recap your top 10. Go 1 through 10 now. Okay, at number 1, the Arizona Cardinals take Caleb Williams. At number 2, the Arizona Cardinals take Marvin Harrison Jr. At number 3, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take Joe Alt, the offensive tackle at Notre Dame. And number four, the Indianapolis Colts take a Alu- Oh, how dare you make me do this <laughs> fast pace? Don't you. Alu Fashanu. Alu Fashanu, the offensive tackle at Penn State. At number five, the Washington Commanders take Drake May. And number six, the Green Bay Packers take Amika Abuka at uh, wide receiver at Ohio State. At number seven, the Las Vegas Raiders take Kool-Aid McKinstry. At number eight, the Tennessee Titans take Brock Bowers, the Titan out tight end out of Georgia and number nine, the LA Rams take Michael Penix jr. The Washington, uh, Washington quarterback and number 10, the Chicago bears take Dallas Turner, the edge out of Alabama and Mer. before you go through your top 10, I have one quick question for you after you run through yours. Okay. So yeah, for me, number one, Arizona Cardinals also select Caleb Williams, the quarterback out of USC. Number two, Arizona Cardinals again select Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver out of Ohio State. And number three, Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Drake May, the quarterback out of North Carolina. Number four, the Indianapolis Colts also take Alu Foshanu, offensive tackle out of Penn State. Uh, number five, Washington Commanders select Ojo Alt, offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. Number six, I got the Green Bay Packers selecting Kool-Aid McKinstry, the cornerback out of University of Alabama. Number seven, I got the Las Vegas Raiders selecting Jeremiah Trotter Jr., the linebacker out of Clemson. Number eight, I got the Tennessee Titans selecting Dallas Turner, the edge rusher out of Alabama. Number nine, I got the Los Angeles Rams selecting J.C. Latham, the offensive tackle out of the University of Alabama. And then to close it out, I got the Chicago Bears via the Carolina Panthers selecting Jared Verse, the edge rusher out of Florida State University. Ted, hit me with the question. Okay, so we are at, hold on, 1-109-40. Amir, who do you think will have the first selection in next year's draft? (sighs) I'm thinking, honestly... I don't have a lot of optimism for him. I'm going to say it's the Washington Commanders. I just ah, don't see. Fuck, you took my pick. Oh, is it? <laughs> like I said, I just I don't think they supported themselves enough. 
Um, they put a lot of faith into Sam Howell, their fifth round pick. And I mean, a lot of people said he had a lot of talent there, but just there's a reason he slipped to the fifth round, right? And it's just like for you guys to put so much faith into him. Also, uh, Jacoby Brissett. You guys. Like, I don't know. Well, as, as for the commanders, that's what I was like, I, you know. Gotcha holistic you guys i guess right i don't know what, i don't know the term you know the term but just anyway so it's just like i think they just put too much faith into both those quarterbacks i don't think it's going to be very successful um their defense has been okay but not great at times so it's just like i think overall it's just going to be a complete mess and just yeah it's going to lead to rod rivera being fired and they'll be number one overall selection for their new head coach to probably take caleb williams to take that franchise probably move it into a different direction with the new ownership hopefully stepping in now to take over for you know, Dan Snyder. Like, I mean, I, I, I didn't even want to say his name, but I had to say it. <laughs> uh, you could just said douchebag, but yeah, that, that <laughs> I'll, leave well. I'll leave that to but, you. But uh, no, for, okay. So I, it's funny because I knew you were going to pick one of my two picks. Uh, Commanders was one of them. So I'll go with my pick. I think the Atlanta Falcons are a dark horse for the uh, wow. first overall pick. Is look, okay. I love Desmond Ritter. We both love Desmond Ritter, but unfortunately, I don't think he with Calvin Ridley gone. I don't think he has a support staff around him. The yeah. NFC South has gotten com- surprisingly competitive all of a sudden. Uh, I don't think the Falcons are going to be that good. I think Kyle Pitts wow. is speak- going to our fantasy roots. I, I'm scared Kyle Pitts when it comes to fantasy. So I think the Falcons could be a very good dark horse for the number one overall pick, but we'll see. We'll see. But overall, I think that uh, this is going to be a very interesting, th- this is a loaded draft class, honestly. And I know we say this every year, but like looking forward to it, this is a very, very talented uh, draft class moving forward. And it is going to be, very interesting to see not how the top 10 works out in terms of teams, but how it works out in terms of prospects as well. 100%. 100%. So there's a quick preview. And I say quick as quick, we go a minute quick. and 12 as minutes. This is our <laughs> hour and 12 minutes here. You know? mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, just a quick sort of look ahead as far as what could we expect for the 2023 college football season and obviously the 2024 NFL draft. Uh, it's not going to play out the way they were sort of listed out here because as we know with all NFL drafts, there's so many wild cards, so many trades. It's going to be so maddening but that's the fun of it too so yeah who knows how it's all gonna play out but that's just a quick look ahead to some of the prospects that we'll see during that draft in 2024 and you get to see during the 2023 nfl college football season uh not nfl college football season just college football season nfl and college football yeah a little bit a little bit there but yeah guys we appreciate you tuning in the whole way there um yeah if you want to interact with us we'd love to hear your thoughts who are your some of your favorite prospects in the 2024 nfl draft class we'd love to interact with you you see all of our social medias coming down a lot uh, all down below there. You got me on Twitter, I'm inside 23. You got Tad at Tad Side 94. You got the show handle at the Decide Guys. And of course, we're on Instagram at the Decide Guys as well. Follow us, interact with us, just do everything there on social media for sure. And make sure you subscribe or to your podcast, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can listen right on the LEFA Network website. Hit subscribe. Be always up to date with all of our latest episodes when they're dropping. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, make sure to subscribe to LEFA Network's YouTube channel. They're giving you lots of great offseason content with the Rams, the Chargers, and of course the Trojans and the Bruins at the college football level covering some of their prospects that will be in the 2024 draft class as well. So, yeah, guys, we can't appreciate you. I mean, we appreciate you so much that it's like we can't believe how much support that we're getting for this podcast. I mean, guys who are interacting with us, who are watching the videos, who are listening to the podcast, who are reading our articles. I mean, guys, just anything and everything in between. 
We can't thank you enough. And hey, I think I brought this up on the podcast before, but I've had coworkers come up to me. Hey, man, I have this dynasty draft coming up. What do I do? How do I, you know, approach this? We're here for to give all the advice we can. We are going to start diving back into the fantasy football stuff. So if you need fantasy football advice leading into the offseason, if you want to already start planning for your draft strategy, as you know, some people are me. Um, we're here for you. I do. I'm already ready. I am not going to IHOP ever again. But <laughs> that won't are, be the punishment every single year, though. Uh, no, this year was the loser has to make a uh, calendar of a <clears throat> certain sort. Ah. Ah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, no. Needless to say, I don't want to ever do a punishment again in this league because we are brutal. So. If you need any fantasy advice, we are going to slowly start diving back in the fantasy stuff, especially as June comes closer, which we are about two weeks away from. So if you if fantasy football is your thing, draft's not so much your thing, we're slowly going back into that. So be sure to keep tuning in. And as always, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. And please stay safe, everyone. Mm-hmm.